You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. It's uh, it's a very scattered podcast today. This is take two. Uh, I'm on hotel Wi-Fi. I'm trying my hotspot this time. Uh, I'm in Arizona for the MLB draft combine. And someone that I'm talking to today, Dallas, is uh, of interest, I think, to you and to, to many people. Uh, does the name Bryce Eldridge, does that ring a bell to you at all? Bryce Eldridge, that name yeah. does ring a bell. So Bryce that Eldridge name. is a two-way player. I, I, I think we posed a question like a few weeks ago being like, hey, Shohei Otani's at the top of his game right now. How long before we start to see other two-way players being like, I think I can, I think I can fucking do this at the big league level? Well, the answer is it might be this year, at least as far as the draft goes. Uh, so I'm going to be going to be asking him about that today. I mean, um, what what I need you to ask is, <clears throat> what does he foresee being the biggest challenge to him moving forward through the ranks as a two-way player? Does he think he mm. can be a two-way player from right now all the way through the system? Mm-hmm. Or does he feel like at one point in time, it's going to be very clear to him where the responsibility or where the priority needs to go because what well, he's a he's an infielder he's a first baseman right uh i believe i, I believe if it's just the same kid i'm talking about or same kid i'm thinking about um yeah i think he's a first baseman bryce eldridge six seven two twenty three he's yeah. 18 first baseman right-handed pitcher yeah. Out of Madison High School, <laughs> imagine being fucking. Yeah, th- th- you know bro, what? That's I'm not that's taking why... a picture with that dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fucking are. That's no, I'm not. Uh, yeah, the, the, the James Madison. Because I I heard about this kid, and then I instantly called my buddy who went to James Madison University, and was like, "Yo, you might not be the last slapdick to come out of James Madison University." I think there's this. He's like. <laughs> He was looking him up. He's like, actually, that kid's in fucking high school. I was like, oh, great. So he's way better. He'll never have to mm. go there. Yeah. Bryce Eldridge, 6'7", 223, 18 years old. Oh, just a cute little fella. He's one of the top two-way players in the entire 2023 draft class. So that would indicate that there's other two-way players. Right. Dude, I mean, how many? A thousand. You could they say this. They're not probably not six seven. This guy probably has an exo velocity of like one twenty, which is why he's being projected <laughs> of being the next Shohei. Well, he's like, blow, he sure blows like ninety five off the mount too, from what I understand, from what I remember. Yeah, Keith Law said, "I can't imagine taking him as a pitcher when he's more advanced and offers more upside as a hitter." So then, hearing that, what I would say is, "All right, Bryce." We're going to roll the pole and go take some ground balls in the interim. Let's figure out a way to try to stay polished on the mound. If you would like, maybe that's yeah. the conversation. 
That's here, why I always his, am curious. Uh, here are his statistics for 2023. As a pitcher, 9-0 with a 106 ERA, 66 strikeouts in 39 and a two-thirds innings, innings with eight walks. Jesus. And then at the plate, he hit 422 with eight bombs and a 17-16 OPS. Well, just just what I hear out of there is as a high schooler, he had more victories than walks. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's that's what I hear there. <laughs> that's what I like. That's what gets me aroused is mm-hmm. he's won nine ball games for his team and in route to that had walked eight total batters. Yeah. I love that. He can hit ninety six with a fastball. Yeah. He's got a solid yeah. well, change. See, that's up. the thing. And if, he, and, and if you can hit ninety six, if you can hit ninety six with a bat, that's where maybe the advancement comes in. And you know, I haven't obviously I haven't watched a guy play, so just kind of watching him approach. What does it look like going the other way? Um, it says, yeah, can hit think, the ball to all, out to all. He can hit the ball out to all fields. I I would think that moving forward, unless a guy reveals himself to be a talent like Shohei Otani, and I don't know that you're ever going to come across that. I think it's a viable option moving forward to be able to try to utilize guys who have this club in the bag later down the road in their career and try to mm. maximize them when they get to the big league level. Now, is there a way that you can put these guys on a path in the minor leagues that allows them to develop on both sides? I think maybe, but that's going to take some serious investment and commitment of time patience from the player as well as player development staff because there's going to be frustration when one thing isn't working well and you still need to pay attention to it and it almost starts to feel like it's at the sacrifice of focusing in the other area where we are doing well and maybe the thought is we could really take another step if we were to spend time prioritizing this but if you're still going to go get the hacks in the cage and we're not really going to spend the time that we need to maybe on pitch design, well, then you got to understand why that slider is not going to take the step that you needed to take to get to the wipeout level you want it to be at so you can compete at the big league level because you're dicing kids up in double-A right now, but we really need to take that next step. But you got to get your hacks in, so what do we want to do? So Joey has done an extensive amount of research on Shohei for multiple YouTube videos that you've done. In your opinion, Joe, how just because of of what the the work ethic that Shohei puts in and how much of a freak and how much of a unicorn he is, uh, how far away do you think not until I'm not saying how far away are we from the next Shohei because we may never see another Shohei ever again. Uh, how far away do you think we are to seeing a two-way player, even just in the minors? Like right now, like it's like, you know, you talk about the next Shohei, like in our minds, like, yeah, someone else that can fucking hit at an elite level and pitch at an elite level. We need to accept, and and I don't think that people get this. Like, I think that people think that if there is another two-way player that he's also going to be really good at both. We may no. never see a player as good as Shohei Otani ever again, ever. So no, when I'm how, how far away not. do you think we are? Huh? Yeah, I mean, like it's. I don't think it's impossible because, like, it, we keep seeing how uh, none of us are going to be alive for it. None maybe, of us are going to be alive for it. 
Maybe, but like I even I even think back to I I use the Daniel Bard Joel Zumaya comparison all the time, where we're in 2023, and as recently as 2010, a pitcher throwing a hundred miles an hour was a spectacle. Now it's like I mean it's still when when you see a hundred it's still like ooh, but it's not like oh my god like I just saw something that I may never see again for the rest of my life like this is like a this is a circus freak he can throw a hundred. Well, we see it a lot we- now. But I'm just saying, like, you know, it's in 2023. So 10 years from now, it's it wouldn't blow my mind if there was another two way player that was good. But still, like the 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 bar is always going to be Shohei. It's very hard to I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to surpass the bar that was set by Shohei. This is why I always go back to the draft of Hunter Green and Brendan McKay. Because those were two top-tier draft picks that, coming out of high school, were able to do both. Brennan McKay, more so to the point where it was entertained of him being a two-way guy at the professional level. That doesn't work out. So it, it didn't work out to the point where they're like, we're going to completely abandon the idea of you hitting. Going to have to stay on the mound, left-handed. This is you know what we're projecting, so this is where the focus needs to be. And that right there, that's the moment in time where the whole two-way idea gets shut down. The first sign of struggle where you're realizing we wouldn't accept that at the next level, and we don't need that to take away from what could play at the next level, which is the other side of this. So if it's pitching great, if it's hitting great, but that's where it comes in. If you're struggling on the mound and you're getting your shit lit up, well, they're going to probably spend a little more time in the cage with you and say, look, it's great, it's 97 or whatever it is, but you have no idea where it's going. You don't have a second or even a third pitch worth any sort of polish, and it's going to be a long road there. What we do have here on the offensive side, though, is something that we can project and something that we can work with. You look malleable here and teachable, coachable. We think this is your route to the big leagues. And it's almost like when a guy gets told, have you ever considered dropping down? Because overhand, it's just not working. You're average at best below average more than more than not but we think if you can come from down here and figure this out this is a path to the big leagues and i use my teammate brad ziggler as that example floundering in double a trying to get outs in triple a trying to figure out why he can't stick why shit's not working so then they drop him down to submarine and he just spends the next 12 years in the big leagues all right well, you got to think like even I, it's kind of surprising that they even I wouldn't say surprising, but like Shohei's first two seasons, like he was a lights out pitcher for the first two months of his career, then got injured and just hit, didn't hit, didn't pitch the next year, but had two like amazing years at the plate. And then to come to 2020 and like just shit the bed and get injured immediately as a pitcher, like 95% of players right then would have just been a hitter for the rest yep. of their career. So it's going to take like someone who's like that hype and who they really believe could do it to give them that like leash. I would say there's going to be another two-way player like within the next five to 10 years, at least one. I I would be very surprised if they're able to do it for as long as Shohei's done it, even yet, even like oh, three no, years. Like, no doubt. It's like no doubt. They're going to get maxed out, I would say after like Go two or three years and that's going to happen. They're going to have one side that's better than the other and they're going to be like, well, I'll just do that one. Again, you can go back to Christian Bethencourt who during his time in 
what, San Diego, they tried to utilize him as a catcher, as an outfielder, as a pitcher. So there was an attempt there to utilize him as a two-way player, you know, it, to an extent. It's not like they were rolling him out there every other day out of the bullpen after he was starting in right field and then catching the night before. Like, that's not how it was working. But they entertained the idea, and that quickly went away. And he now just catches, and he now just hits, and he's doing just fine. <laughs> but not not Shohei, right? And it takes, like yeah. Harry said, and, and this is what I said earlier, the investment has to be there from the player development side as well. So should you run into a huge hurdle like Tommy John? What's the move? Do we, do we let him roll out there and hit? Or do we make him rest because we think the upside's on the mound? And so it's just a, it's a sticky conversation to have. It's a lot of faith. I mean, Shohei had to win every single award there is in Japan by the age of like 23 to be able to even get the opportunity to try for more than like two years. Right. And we're talking about everything that he's done in the big leagues now, still, still going to be evaluated by teams when they talk about what Shohei's going to be doing later in his career, right? For everything that's working out right now, you're still trying to figure out what it looks like eight years from now. Is he still doing this on both sides of the ball at this rate eight years from now? Because holy shit, if that's the case, but I don't know how many of us believe that that will be the case. That's why this fucking free agency like i don't want to touch it now because i feel like we're going to be beating it to death the second that the season ends but it is going to be a fascinating conversation because if you're if you're an executive you have to be sitting there thinking what we just said like how long mm -hmm. can you keep this up to joe's point you know guy gets hurt as a pitcher in 2020 and it's like most guys would be like all right well i'm just a hitter now like i you know i hurt my elbow but i can still fucking hit bombs that's fine whatever uh, and then you're just going to forecast that out over the next 10 years with a guy that that's already been doing it. I don't know. It's, I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, it's not my fucking money. So I can't wait to see <laughs> yeah. how many zeros end up on the end of that check. It'll be really fun. But <clears throat> for now, uh, I will be interviewing maybe the next two way player in the big leagues. We don't know. Jay, Hey, you, uh, you didn't have any input on this. What do you, what do you think in, in terms of, like what we're seeing now with Shohei, I think we've we've also beaten it into the ground about how great he is. But I still, even through that, don't think that people truly appreciate that we may be seeing the greatest player ever, like right now. And even though I'll be sitting there talking to a two-way player that's going to be entering the MLB draft, he, he could be very good and still not be a fraction of what Shohei Otani ends up being. Uh, when it's all said and done in his career. Uh, what do you think is the future of the two-way player in Major League Baseball? Yeah, so I know the appeal of Shohei is that he's, you know, a two-way player and the greatest of all time. But just to reiterate, like by weighted runs created plus, just purely offensive production, he's been the best player in baseball this year. Um, mm -hmm. So like I just, the, the two-way, where the two-way thing becomes interesting to me is where the inflection point is. How good does a guy have to be Overall, how good does he have to be at both things? What can the gap be between 
how good he is at one thing and how good he is at the other before it tilts so far that you just want to lean in one direction, even if he's really good at the other well, thing. Like I just, there's just so much. Well, and me- and, and it, it, sometimes that's relative to each other, right? Too. Cause like you could have a guy who's a good hitter and a good pitcher, right? That you may just, if they're even, you let him stick with both. You could have a guy who's a, a hall of fame hitter and a great pitcher. And it's like, well, what do we do here? I just like, it's going to be a decision that's unique per organization, per team, uh, per time. So let me ask you this yeah, question. I don't know. Let me let, let me frame it to you like this way then, <clears throat> you fucking nerd. Um, Numbers-wise, <laughs> war, mm-hmm. are you accepting of a average performer on both levels? If I have one player to give you, but I'm giving you average performances offensively and on the mound I, for your team, do you take that? That would be an immensely valuable player. I think if you are getting okay. league average production at let, let I'm just making it up. Let's say second base, yeah, and sure, and pitch and starting pitcher, um, for mm-hmm. 130, 150 innings per year, or whatever it ends up being, um, mm-hmm. that to me is is a guy who probably ends up belonging on an MVP ballot, not winning most likely, but sure. but mm-hmm. being on the ballot because like that's just remember that league average performing average. Yeah, on both sides of the baseball, should have you, but Jay MVP conversation. Yeah, or like, or or just on a ballot. Maybe he finished. I I, I haven't thought about this. No, just, that's why I said lot, just like seventh, conversation on a ballot. Yeah, like sure, it, sh- it in, should be a guy who is firmly in the All Star game, um, and that sort of thing. What's up, Joey? Does it make a difference if he's playing second or that than if he's a DH? Um, I suppose it does make some level of difference because I was implying some level of defensive value at second base that wouldn't mm-hmm. exist at, as a designated hitter. Um, I think I think the answer there would be that the offensive threshold would just be higher at designated hitters. So you'd have to be a better hitter if you're just, just a, going to be a, a DH. Better. But I still think, but I True. still think that type of player um, it would be extremely valuable. Like I, I'm trying to think of a, but the a response DH to that is. Per- yeah, the, the the response to that is always, though, like if, if you're <laughs> if you're telling me that you don't want to acknowledge what's happening on the mound as part of his defensive prowess. I, I it's it's tough for no, me. I'm to not just saying I'm not acknowledging that. that. No, not just, you. No, oh, not, okay. not you. Just okay. any, anybody, anybody because the, and, and Joey asked the question and I quickly responded with it should because of what that individual is doing now. Because if that individual is playing second base and hitting and then going on the mound and pitching, nobody's doing that. Right. right. That would be a different Not even Shohei. Not even Shohei. Nobody's doing that. But just like Aaron Judge doesn't pitch, Shohei doesn't play center field. And then if we go farther, we remember that there is something that Shohei does do on the mound that Aaron Judge doesn't right and then and then the argument is well it's gold glove defense in a premium position okay this guy's in the fucking Cy Young conversation like when do we when do we when are we okay with what you're getting from a two-way player and and and, and justifying him still being there and that's why I asked you if we're getting league average performances from one individual on both sides of the ball that seems valuable to me, especially if a team is probably harboring 
one athlete at least that is performing below league average offensively and defensively. Man, I uh I think it's I think we will see a two-way player who is also participating as a traditional defensive player within the next five or ten years. Um, like yeah, I think I mean, that's it, happening. It would be and, fun and not some like new carnival act. Just a, a person who is no. a real contributor at whatever position. I think that's happening. They won't be Otani. Well, think about think about but, yeah. No, but but well, think about a guy in his same organization, right? Walshy. Right. There was some like, there was some talk there for a while, right? He kicked it around, right? Playing yeah. first base, hitting bombs, uh, coming off the mound, or had the ability to. So that's where I've always thought that if we're going to see this again, that's the capacity in which we see it, is a dude who you could bring in, kind of like somebody in, in college, come in to close a ball game, fucking Mark Kotze, Golden Spikes, here's 95 after I drop dick and make two great catches out in the outfield to shut the door. Like that. Like that. I want to see that in the big leagues. Like, could you imagine... Could you imagine a mound visit where the manager comes out, the fucking lights go out, and you see the center fielder running in from center field to take the ball, and then just, here's fucking 99? That's dope. Give me that. <laughs> Give me all of that. Because he's already three for four today. He's throwing a guy out at third, and he's hit a bomb. And now here comes fucking 99. You Fuck know what? you. You know what? You, you add that together with the ghost runner. And we're starting to get a, a nice little league vibe going with Major backyard league baseball. baseball yeah, baby. backyard. Right, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see that the guy's warming up in the bullpen, but he's up next, so he comes out of the bullpen with the helmet on, with the batting gloves on, and hits from the fucking bullpen. <laughs> or, or, or like I used to do this in high school. Um, like if uh, if I was going to be coming in, if I had to come come in for whatever reason, and I was out in the outfield. They would just throw a ball to our uh, our second baseman, and I would play catch and throw with the second baseman. Or if you're on a field where your team is down the line, somebody would just run down the line, and then I'm playing catch with whoever, you know, somebody from my, my dugout in between innings, or not in between innings, excuse me, during the mound meeting. And if it's known that, hey, you could be coming in, well, when I go out to the outfield, now I'm playing catch, and I'm throwing the ball to the center fielder, who's down in the squat because I'm like throwing a bullpen, basically getting ready to come in in the middle of a game. Fuck. Yeah. In the middle of a game. <laughs> Let's go. <sighs> um, it's wedding season. Oh, yeah, it is looking sharp no, all wedding not. season long. Yes, it is. Shouldn't be expensive. No, it is. With a custom-fitted <laughs> suit from Indochino, you'll create priceless memories without costing a fortune. Customize every detail in your suit, shirt, dinner jacket, and more in a range of colors from a traditional black or gray to burgundy or olive to a classic Hemsworth navy. Indochino hooked it up for me when I, uh, I was in Coley's wedding. Big time came through. They also have casual wear. So if you're like Joe and you don't think that it is wedding season, which it is, you can also be looking fresh as hell with Indochino casual wear. It is wedding season. You're right. 
Every suit is made to your exact Psych. measurements. Oh, and you can customize every detail. Create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly with options for fabrics, lapel shape, custom monograms, statement linings, and more. They also have tuxedos starting at $579. Why rent when you can buy a custom tux that you can rewear for years to come? Indochino also offers completely custom fitted shirts, casual wear, and more. Get a superior wardrobe personalized to your style and taste without luxury price tag. They're always adding new pieces and options so you can stay on trend and in style. Explore their relaxed yet refined approach to spring suits with their new spring fabrics. RSVP knowing that you've got the perfect look all wedding season long from Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the promo code DEAD to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That is I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. Promo code DEAD. Um, Dallas, uh, you you threw a tweet out there that confused a lot of people. Um your tweet about me not coming to your aid. Everyone was ready to be up in arms about this. No yeah, one yeah. had the context. People were okay. alarmed about your tweet. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay. People were upset. It was, it was yeah. And, and I appreciate that thoroughly, mm. thoroughly appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, oh, who was, I think it was, uh, Trevor May. Uh, Bonita. Well, yeah, but, uh, somebody, <laughs> Bonita Braves girl, I believe is. The, yeah, uh, she was ready to throw a hand. She was like, yeah, she was like, yo, I'm not really, I'm not really sure what's going on, but who fucking needs the smoke? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trevor May, Trevor May used a word uh, when describing me. He put me in a box. He put me in a category is what he did. And uh, wrong box, wrong category. And we had words. Journalist. Oh, we had words about this in the dugout yesterday. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He called mm-hmm. me. He added me to the baseball journalists list well you are a journalist he added now. me to you're not a player uh, anymore you're a journalist definitely not a player definitely not a journalist eh, definitely you, what not you're doing journalist. right now this is journalism uh no this is podcasting when you when you interview players and broadcasters I and i have not interviewed a player this year you can't tell me that Honest? what bob nightingale Honest. does is journalism and this is not <laughs> When we have guests on this podcast, that's journalism. It's a form of journalism. Written, and I've never written a journal entry. I'm not a journalist. Mm. I'm I'm a yeah. baseball. I'm a broadcaster slash podcaster. I think that's a journaler. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Either way, mm. Trevor May put me on a list, and uh, and I had some words for him. I had some words for yeah. him about that, and that's okay. We've We've cleared the air. Everything is great. I love Trevor May, but Trevor May is now on one of my lists. Mm. And if you'd like to add Trevor May to this list, feel free to. Feel free to mm-hmm. tag him as well. Uh, the list is dudes who have sullied my good name by calling me a J that I'm now going to have to <laughs> rumble with. That's the <laughs> list that Trevor that Trevor May is on. So if you okay. would like to add Trevor May, that's at I am Trevor May. If you'd like to mm-hmm. add him to the list of dudes who have sullied my good name by calling me a J that I'm now going to have to rumble with, please feel free. Okay. And you've you've interviewed cool. Trevor May in the past as part of your journalistic career, yes? Uh, when no, Trevor May was on our podcast earlier, 
Yes. Yes, I interviewed him on our podcast mm-hmm. as a podcaster. I that was that. great journalistic feature that you did. It was I, good journalism. Never, never done journalism. I what yes. about when you had? Dude. What about when you talked to Bob Tewksbury? <laughs> <laughs> well, did we, Jared talked to like, Bob. <laughs> did did that? Did we just not put that out? Like I know it gets referenced all the time. I can't remember if no, if, I'm, if like we cut out the part where he was an asshole. That was a good question. I feel like that was like our first editorial decision that we had to make with an interview. That's the only interview that we never put out. <laughs> I think we put it out. We did. I, I feel like there would have been I feel like there would have, I don't know maybe at that time there wasn't going to be the groundswell of like what what just happened like yeah, may, maybe, yeah or or maybe, maybe it was very early there. yeah maybe it was early or maybe we should just say it that Bob Tewksbury wasn't moving the fucking needle for us and <laughs> nobody the interview didn't get any traction so thanks see for Dallas nothing, that's Bob. what a good teammate does that's what a good teammate who has your back does right there that's what a good <laughs> teammate for life, that's Jay yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm going to give myself credit here because no one else will. I've come a long way with uh, my my self-confidence with my with my legs because Dallas, being a horrible teammate that he is, threw a tweet oh. out there making fun of my legs. He's making fun of this. Oh, He's what? making fun of that. He is uh, uh, buddy, stoking buddy, the, the flames of the internet trolls. Re- Welcome them to come into my mentions and say very mean things to me. And uh, no, re- Read the I'll, tweet. I'll Can have you, you know that it had no effect on me tweet. whatsoever. I, I, I was just sitting there and and put it this way: in 2018, if you had asked me to wear a pair, pair of shorts to be a part of an MLB Network broadcast, I probably would have turned down the opportunity to be on MLB Network. <laughs> like, listen, <laughs> uh, it's either it's either pants or I'm not doing it like that. I, I, I'm not wearing shorts on on national TV. It's just not happening. No, look, but look, look, listen, I, listen, I can't, I can't let listen, this know. I, I have to read the tweet. I start grinding. I start grinding and I, I build a gym in my basement. I put a goddamn leg press down there. I put in the work and it's still not complete. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm quadzilla yet, but I'm getting there. And I put in the work to actually have uh, quads so that I can wear shorts on national television. And I'm proud of proud of where my legs are at. I'm proud of where my legs are at. And you know what's annoying, Dallas? When fat people, when fat people put in the work to lose weight, everyone's like, oh, yay, the fat people are skinny now. When I was 113 pounds, you know how hard it is to be a twig and put weight on? Very hard. Very hard. But I get bullied on the internet unmercifully. And here I am putting in that work to get some some muscle on my legs. And I think it's there a little bit. And still, I get the people being like, oh, twig legs. <laughs> Listen, say chirp however the fuck you want, because I'm, I'm at least I'm trying. At least I'm putting in that work. If someone was fat and gross and like they were fucking on like the treadmill for a couple of months and like they lost 20 pounds, but it wasn't noticeable. You wouldn't be like, hey, look at this fatty fat fat. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. So no. there's but you there's know what? a clear bias against skinny people trying to gain weight versus fat people trying to lose weight. And and you clearly I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say something here. You clearly didn't see the interaction between myself and PETA, did you? Because they responded no. they responded to the tweet. They responded to the tweet. No, I don't like, think hey, they did. Oh, oh no, they did. We're getting we're getting ready to take issue with your friend because it looks like he stole a chicken and rode it to the ballpark. And I said no, no, that doesn't no. Make any sense that's because my shit. legs look big. Well, well that's your Jared, jokes that's don't even make going. any sense anymore, Dallas. That's, that's not my joke, Jared. That was somebody. That was Peter's joke. 
They thought you rode imagine, a chicken to the ballpark, and I wanted to let them know that you're not abusing has chicken animals. Legs. It, your jokes don't make sense anymore. Chicken legs? <laughs> Jared, chicken legs. Jared, and, and here, here's Those what are I not chicken legs. As soon as the video was, or as soon as, as, soon as uh, the picture of you was posted, it's, this was my response. I doesn't quickly matter. came to, quickly. I said, look, there's going to be leg jokes made, and I simply won't stand for it. <clears throat> this is my dear friend. I don't want to hear about how his legs look like they're dipped in mayo, right? Some were taking shots at the color. I wasn't going to hear that. That's fine. I don't listening. have a tan. I'm, I'm not too listening busy. when you say you've used thicker chopsticks at sushi. Like, I, I wasn't going to take that. So he's a pro, and he's there to work, right? Leave him alone. And so then I just wanted to kind of get people off of that subject matter, and I just asked you a combine-related question. I asked, you know, who you thought was going to leg out the best 60 times. So I don't know why you took any of what I said personally. It wasn't an attack. It was quite literally a defense. Quite literally a defense no. for what Listen, the internet I don't know. Uh, it doesn't bother me. It's it's literally like saying that uh, Dansby Swanson is balding. Like the, the chirps don't make sense anymore. So it is. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with it. Uh, my courage. <laughs> <laughs> my bravery to wear shorts on TV after the years and years of bullying of my legs. I mean, it's it's nothing short. It's inspirational. I know that people are inspired by this. So, um, well, you know, to all the people that I've inspired, you're welcome. Um, we are but, we are going to have to address something. What the donut upside down? the The donut was already on the bat. I fucking knew that that was going to be the answer. God, I knew it. I knew yeah. that that was going to be the answer. The, it was just laying around. So uh, they were like, hey, go down in the tunnel and like take some warm up swings in the cage. And like I went in there and there's actual fucking first round potential guys in the, there's two cages. One guy was sitting off the tee. The other one was like doing underhand like soft toss. And like I just like stared at him. And I was like, I'm not going to be like, hey, guys, I know that you're, you're at like, the MLB the combine fuck about to like here? have one of the biggest days of your life. But can I get some practice hacks in so I can fucking fuck around in the cage? So I just stood there and I was like, all right, I'm not I didn't say anything. I was like, I'm not going to like ask to get in there. Like, I'm not going to like take up their time that like they actually are trying to do something right now. So I walk out and uh, they're like, did you take any practice hacks? I was like, no. And then there was like a bunch of bats on the ground behind the cage. And one of them had a donut on it. And I was like, all right. And I just like took three swings with the bat with the donut on it and then took BP in front of some of the best like amateur players in the world. And people were people were like judging my oh, he's out on his front foot. Yeah, because I haven't fucking seen a, a baseball thrown in my general direction in 13 fucking years. 13 years was the last time I've taken batting practice at Fenway on the, the when they do like the the company outings for like batting practice at Fenway. They do the pitching machine and it just goes and it's like it's like 40 mile an hour rainbows. So as far as like a straight fastball like coming my way, that's the first time I've seen it since 2010 and no swings and misses. They're just all, you know, the first round. I'll admit, yeah, but, hey, mean, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas for the people. For the people, because I'm trying to inspire people at home and I'm not trying to be this this hero that is perfect. First round, I was a little nervous. Haven't I haven't fucking I just didn't want to swing and miss, which I didn't. Yeah. Went up there, <laughs> fucking put the bat on the ball, and I only thought I was gonna do one round. 
Then they were like, all right, round two, you're up. And I was like, fuck, I didn't know I was doing a second round. Went out there, second round, pretty good. By the third round, fucking piss missiles going into the outfield. And they only showed the first round. The video that they uh, tweeted out was from the first round. Yeah. Like I was just yeah. getting my time. So my practice swings was on a national mm. stage. My practice swings were presented to the world as though like, this is it. This is what he's got. But the third round where I was just whack, 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 everything just fucking on a line just to center went, field. That never saw the light right, of day. You tapped right back into because something we do know about you is you will compete your ass off as a fully grown man against amateur youth. And you have no problem doing that. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that was that's one what of we the, know. And- that was one of the replies to the tweets. Like, uh, I tweeted out the video because thank God, Team USA, shout out to Team USA. They had video of the third round. And if you watch the video from the third round, you'd be like, wow, this guy, like, it, what round is he going to be taking it? Like, probably like somewhere like 16, yeah. 17, like the pick. Um, so they had awesome video of me just absolutely fucking destroying a ball into into outer space, and that that <laughs> this is my third space. round looks amazing, looks amazing, and I, I just shout out to Team USA for having the proof because if I sat had to sit here today and be like MLB Network only showed my first round when my third round was a laser show, I did, would, didn't even want to hear what Dallas would have to say about that. Mm. You'd be like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, it was a third. Oh, yeah, no one saw it. Oh, yeah, a bunch of people there with a bunch of cameras. No one saw it. Well, let, yeah, shout out to Team USA. Oh, we, got, for getting we, got one, we got one grainy clip, and the ball I it's mean, not it grainy. Just shuts it's off right HD. after the. It was like, ed- it was yeah. perfectly edited. They like right. did slow mo on bet. it. No, no, Fucking there's no doubt it was perfectly edited. I'm sure it was perfectly yeah. edited. It was. So, I, yeah, yeah I, sure. I woke up this morning to 6,000 hitting coaches <laughs> in my fucking mentions. Oh, you're for your back elbow. And you're doing, shut the fuck up. I'm, I'm a 34 <laughs> year old podcaster getting hey, no, getting in the batting cage at the MLB combine in front of the best talent in the world and and have the balls to get in there and take some hacks without <laughs> any warm ups, knowing that MLB Network is filming the fucking thing. The balls, the balls on this guy to get in there and be like, yeah, I can roll out of bed and probably smoke some liners in the center field without any warm ups, having not seen live pitching in 13 years. Right. Yes. Credit to me, because no one else is going to say that. That's enough chest thumping. Let's get to the numbers. Um, I've been in this industry for a long time, so I had a lot of sources texting me a lot of information uh, about yep. this batting practice and some of the data. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I just want to yep. run through it. So uh, I got a max exit velocity of uh, an average exit velocity of 66.4. So that's like this, you know, that's like a car on the highway, just chugging right along. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen, safe. listen, hey, Jay, Very you safe. get to an accident Very at 66 safe. miles an hour, you're fucking dead. Don't, I, I'm not disputing it. I try to stay you get hit by 65 a car going or below. 66, you are dead. I'm, you are dead. Hey, I'm 65 or below, just man. Just fucking yep. take it while the dirt gets piled onto your grave right now, all right? The, the max exit velocity, uh, my source told me, was 88.7 miles an hour. Let's give you Yo, some- 88.7. That's fucking awesome. Let's give you some if context. You take, if, yeah. Listen, if you take out the first round, I would love to see what the average exit velocity is. <laughs> if you, I, if I don't have it down that way, unfortunately. Um, that's what I'm saying. If you take out the warm ups, which yeah. is obviously what like yeah, the, the yeah. warm up round, which was counted as yeah, a real brought, round, which is bullshit. The average down, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. The max velocity was definitely the third round. I was fucking smoking balls. So, Jer- Jer- so Jared would point- like his exit velos graded on a fucking bell curve, please. Yeah, yeah, if you could. <laughs> so 88.7 yeah. max velocity. Uh, obviously, no one in MLB really has that sort of max velocity. They're all much higher. But if we look at their 80, <laughs> if they will look at their average velocity, mm-hmm. what does that compare to? That's yeah. that's a Rodolfo Castro. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever the fuck that is. I, I've always thought of you as kind of like our Rodolfo Castro. So I think that I think I'm that just happy that it's somebody, you know, <laughs> Rodolfo, Rodolfo Carabas. Yeah, we got Rodolfo Carabas uh, with the max exit velocity. Um, and then joke, jokes aside, jokes aside. So if you set the minimum to one batted ball, I know you had more batted balls than one. But if we had mm. if you set the minimum to one batted ball that actually yeah. is higher than four different players this season max exit velocity those players are shelby Fuck Mil- you, Dallas. shelby miller <laughs> who you might know as a pitcher um, yeah well he's a big no no I, no doubt no doubt 71 <laughs> jordan luplo yeah, uh, Ma- yeah Mango, a, uh, and yeah. someone named connor kaiser who apparently plays for the Rockies. <laughs> I have not gotten familiar with his work yet. He has one batted ball this year, so forgive me on that one. But uh, those four guys all below 88.7 maximum exit velocity. And then you, Jay, Jay, hey. final data point, max distance, 295. Um, okay, that's a home run at a lot of Little League parks. That is a home run <laughs> at the polo grounds down the left field line, my friend. So That is. Uh, are you sure? Because the polo th- grounds were 296. No, no, no. I looked it up. Wikipedia is telling me se- 279. I didn't I didn't really go to multiple sources for this stat rundown. Okay. But yeah. Um, right. So, that, yeah, that's what my source had. So congratulations um, on all of that. It was very impressive visually. I don't think the numbers really capture how electric it was. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to I'm going to tweet that. Uh, yeah. Listen. True or false? Do I have a max velocity exit velocity that's that's higher than multiple big leaguers? The answer is yes, Dallas. So fuck you, dude. Well, no, no, fuck you. What? no, fuck you. So, so you, so Shut a full up. swing, full swing. You outbarreled some sack bunts. This is what you did. So a couple, no, couple of guys no, no, looking no, no, to no. drop a fucking sack butt down. No, did you say that that, that that was their average exit velocity? No, for no. those individuals, oh. that was their maximum. That was their yeah. Max. So fuck you, Dallas. <laughs> they're, they're on sack butts. Oh my god, you're a loser, dude. You'll not. You know what? The last person that I need credit from is Dallas Braden, the biggest fucking hater going. Just never. I'm. You're never gonna get credit from that guy. But I know that the people listening are like, wow, that guy is probably better than I am. Better than some big leaguers. That's facts. <laughs> Name them. Let's get. Let's get Brent Rooker on the show. He'll let you know. Yeah, Brent Rooker will let you know about the the cannon that I had in right field in that that charity game. Oh, oh <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Hey, I, that makes me feel <laughs> that, that, that makes me feel so much better. Rendolfo, is it Rendolfo? Ro, Ro, Dolfo. Rodolfo. Yep. Rodolfo. Yep. Carabas. Utility guy for the Pirates. Domingo. <laughs> I'm just gonna start calling you Dolph. <laughs> Oh, 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 Dolph. <laughs> oh, oh, Dolphy the dick dropper. That's who, mm-hmm. that's who that is. Mm. Uh, yep. That's incredible. Good for me. 
good for me. That makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and contact the powers that be to get that third round because it was people were saying Josh Hamilton, and I was like, please come on. Like I, it, it was only it was only five pitches. It wasn't 27 homers, but um, yeah, I, I'm I was pleased with it. It's been fun. Let me. Uh, I want. I, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you something about your time there. Um, sure. Because it, it's stuff like that is really cool. Because you are around, you're around some of the game's greatest talent at that mm-hmm. age group. What, what stood out to you the most, or was there something that was reinforced for you after watching these guys just move? Did you get to watch? Did you watch any of the work on the mound? Yes, I almost got fucking smoked. I don't know who it was on the mound, but I was walking behind the backstop and some righty threw fucking 90. So they had it wasn't an L screen. It was they just kind of had like a square uh, what an L screen would be like constructed as, but it was taller. And he fucking threw one that hit the corner and ricocheted by my fucking head. And I was like, bro, what? Like, it was nowhere close to being a strike or anywhere near a hittable pitch. Uh, so I almost died. Um, then, you know, like, guys are taking batting practice and I'm out by the pool, which is really cool. I've, I've, I've never been to Chase Field before. That was my first time yesterday. Uh, and you've got guys that are 18 years old hit, hitting absolute rockets that are skipping up into the stands. And, and you know, you're getting you're getting baseballs dropped in the t- into the pool. But I think what was really cool is, or at least, you know, because I, I love I love psychology. I love sports psychology. Is as I'm interviewing these kids, I mean, Miles Naylor is 18 years old. Um, yeah. Jacob hey, and Wilson. And he's the best. He's the best. They say he's the best athlete between his brothers. How about that? Yes. I'm, watching, I'm watching both of his brothers right now in Cleveland, right? And they're yeah. like, yeah, well. The little brother, that's the fucking dude. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, think about that. Like, I'm talking about mom and dad enjoying their life because they've got two, two, two children who are elite athletes on the same fucking team. Yeah. Yeah. And he's 18 years old. So as I'm interviewing these kids and Jacob Wilson is 21, but top shortstop prospect in the draft. And I'm just like, I'm looking into their eyes and thinking about who who is he going to be when he's five years into his big league career and he's got three silver sluggers and two all-stars and people are talking about his impending free agency and how much money is he going to make on the free agent market. And that, like, just to kind of like, in a, in a, I don't know if it's weird or not, but almost like if you were in a hot tub time machine and you could go back in time to like talk to Garrett Cole when he was at UCLA, knowing what he would become later down the line. And like that way to kind of like look at these kids right now and be like 10 years from now, like it's going to be cool to revisit this memory of like, I talked to him when he was fucking 18. Like I talked to this kid when he was 21, like about to get drafted to like have that memory. Uh, That was kind of like the coolest part was knowing 
like these are going to be big leaguers. Like these are going to be mm-hmm. guys in the show and uh, trying to kind of like store those memories because that's going to be fucking cool to look back on. Like I, I knew the well, one. It's, it's like when I. Yeah, well, that that's that's why I always talk about, you know, like going to play winter ball and the experiences that come along with that, because you are introduced to, you know, the game being played in a different way, but just different talent. and you're watching it and you're like, holy shit. Like that's, I don't think I've seen anybody that age do that move like that, have this sort of capacity. And I always talk about Martin Maldonado, you know, fucking 15, 16 year old kid when I was playing winter ball and I'm looking at this kid going, yo, this, this dude's going to be good. Like this is, this this kid's going to be a fucking guy and fucking fast forward world champion, gold Glover, one of the game's great defensive catchers. Um, so it's it's that I'm always just interested to to get people's takes who are around elite level competition, especially at the youth level. And I mean, it's not youth; they're amateurs. They're they're grown men growing into the men that they're going to become. So it's just fun to to take stock of what you're seeing because you don't get to see that kind of stuff on that scale very often. Yeah, it was very cool. Um... And and most of the guys that like I've been talking to are not even participating in the combine. They're just like chilling. Like I know I'm going to yeah. be, you know, top twenty pick somewhere in there or whatever. Um, so yeah, no, that's cool. I got I got more more interviews coming up today, and uh, I'll be over in the pool. Um, but it's exciting. I'm just I, and successfully I've been staying on East Coast time. Like I went to sleep last night at like 9 p.m. Like me and fucking uh, Sean Casey went to <laughs> went to dinner last night. That man has the best baseball stories ever. Like <laughs> he's just yep. like he's the type of dude that's gonna tell you a baseball story, but act it out <laughs> at the same time. Yep. Like he'll tell yes. you the story and then stand up and physically act out Do the story. All. Yes, yes. We need to get Case back on the podcast. We had him on in what, what was that 2020, 2019? I think that yeah, was we nineteen. Had him, we had him and his, we had yeah, him and his boys on the bus. Yes, they were on the yes. RV with us. Yeah, that, I believe that that was in Cleveland for the All Star game when he came on. We've had him on uh, twice, I believe. Twice, yeah. I think one one was a phoner, maybe. Yeah, once was very very early on episode ten. It was Kirkchin oh. and Sean Casey double interview episode, oh. and then it, once again at one forty one, which must be the the bus episode. Yes. So his son. I believe his name is Jake. Uh, he's playing in the Cape League. And we're sitting there at dinner. And I just told him uh, when we sat down, I was like, hey, man, uh, a rule with me. I, I'm not going to be bothered or offended if you're like looking at your phone or like you're like, I don't feel like you owe me any respect to like be like locked in on the conversation. Like if you're if you got a text or you got a tweet or you like, like you got to do your thing, like do your thing. Like I, I'm not. Like you don't have to like apologize or whatever. So we like I got the Red Sox game on my phone. He's got uh, the Cape League going on his phone. And in the ninth inning, it's a four three ball game. And his son just fucking waffles one to <laughs> pull Homer. He's a he's a big lefty. And Case just like gets up and just has all this emotion. He's like, oh, <laughs> he's just like waiting to like slap my fucking hand off my wrist. And just whack. <laughs> and he's he's fucking pumped. And uh, yeah, that was really cool. And then I don't know, maybe 40 minutes later, 
his son called him and like they're having like a father son moment like on the phone and pumping him up and that was really cool to see yeah that's awesome yeah that's fucking awesome good for case yeah that must be so Love cool there's dude. there's a lot of those guys there's a lot of uh uh i think two two of the kids that i interviewed yesterday had big league fathers and then obviously Naylor has two big league brothers so there's a lot of uh baseball lineage in the in the draft this year for some of the top names which is really cool um but yeah joseph how how locked in are you on the draft prospects beyond locked in dude i know all of them <laughs> you quiz do? me quiz me who i know eldridge he's from the area i live he lives near me so he does i fuck i fuck with him yeah he he's does. the I next he, shohei i think he is from your area he's the white shohei bro yeah he's uh i think he is from your area i'm interviewing enrique bradfield jr today He's the kid from Vandy that uh, he, if you extrapolated the stolen bases from uh, his college career over a 162 game season, it uh, equals out to 110 stolen bases. Not bad. Yeah, it's running. Yeah, he's uh, where is it? An impact player on the bases. He has 130 stolen bases and 191 career collegiate games. That's a 110 stolen base pace for 162 games. Was caught only 13 times. 91% stolen base rate. Seems like, uh, congratulations, you are an Oakland A. Uh, we have the sixth pick, right? Yeah, Do you? sixth pick. I believe so. Oh. Yeah, this tra- this tragedy won't impact their draft uh, status until next year. Right. Thank God. Thank God. Um, Why? Just you know take, the the kid, take one of the kids from LSU. That's my draft strategy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that kid, that kid from LSU two. that was <laughs> throwing fucking 100 miles an hour as a starter. Skeens? Uh yeah, he uh what night was that? Saturday? Yeah, I think it was Saturday over the weekend. Kids a fucking beast. They Evan, just they, put they him they on the national him and asked him <laughs> yeah. they asked him what uh what would you tell a kid that had to face you as a pitcher? And and he just laughed and was like, uh be ready for the fastball. <laughs> yeah, it's a thousand. So that's really all the advice you need. Mm. Well, if you're like me, um, what you watch no. depends on what kind of mood you're in. <laughs> That's why Max is my first pick for winning entertainment. Sometimes I'm craving comedies like Friends or South Park, and sometimes I'm totally into dramas like the HBO original Succession, which Dallas loves, and House of Dragon. I also love cooking shows, Dallas. I don't know if you knew this about me. I love cooking shows like Chopped and uh, Beat Bobby Flay. Tell you like to eat. Yep. And don't get me started with movies like The Lord of the Rings and Shazam. That fucking fury of the gods. Well, Max is the streaming destination that has the best of entertainment. 
for whatever mood I'm in, anytime. And plans start as little as $9.99 a month. Max, the one to watch. Subscription required. Visit max.com today. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds have now won 10 straight games. Unless there, unless there was another direction that you were about to take us, Dallas. No, no, that's a, uh, I, it's, it's, it's great. We can talk about the Reds, because um, obviously, you know, Ellie De La Cruz has, has been a, a wonderful talking point. Eladella? Oh, Eladella? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ellie's been balling. Um, before we get into the Reds, I just wanted to remind some folks of another player who uh, bursts onto the scene. A lot of hype around him, sent down, came back up, and has since been swinging the bat very nicely. Really, to no celebration, though. So I just kind of wanted to put this in perspective. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz, since June 6th, this is his slash line. He's hitting 308, OBP of 379, slugging 519. That's good for an OPS just under 900, 899 OPS. In that time, he's got two home runs, six RBI, three doubles, six stolen bases. Well, if you remember the struggles of Jordan Walker, sent down, things weren't going the way that they would have liked to, I guess. Well, Jordan Walker has returned. And since June 2nd, since the return of Jordan Walker, all he's done is hit 339 with a 418 on base. 593 slugging to net an OPS just north of a thousand. He's got four home runs during that time, eight RBI, three doubles, and three stolen bases. So, for all of the hype surrounding Ellie, and it's great because it's been fun to watch the athleticism, first to third, just all of it. Triples, it's been fucking sexy, fun to watch. But Jordan Walker has quietly been doing his thing as well for a team that needs to get their shit together. Just they to totally killed his momentum, his his hype, because he came up and was on a hit streak, and it was like, Jordan Walker's the guy, Jordan Walker's the guy, and they fucking sent his ass down when he wasn't even doing that bad. No. Right, and that's I what I mean. What, like, Why does shit like that I, happen, Dallas? Why would someone that has, like, his OPS was probably at, what, like 720-ish when he got sent down? Uh, I'm looking now. Ooh, I don't know. Like it had gotten pretty bad. Like I know the hit streak was intact, but like, uh, yeah, the the profile batted ball uh, profile was not great, right? Yeah, no, and the hit streak was over. I was wrong about that. His OPS was 718 at the time he was sent down. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, average. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's not great. Like, it's not like how dare they send you down, but it's not like a. Uh, uh, I mean, no brainer that this guy doesn't belong in the big leagues right now. Well, no, there, but like, like if you bring a- up the top prospect and he's an average player in his first three weeks and then you send him down immediately. Well, what's even more confusing weird. is it's not like the Cardinals had some sort of abundance of talent and they were crushing it or whatever. Like they, they were fucking ass and they still are. Yeah, but isn't this? Yeah, well, they I do mean, have a lot of outfielders. Isn't this proof like, I mean, to the extent that we can have proof of this stuff that it worked, though, like. Because he went sure. down. I mean, he's come back and raked. He he initially right. wasn't raking when he got sent down to AAA, and then after like the first three or four games, went right back to raking at AAA. Like I don't, it it's impossible for us to know truly, but it's also hard for me to criticize them for this when, like, 
they might have sent him down and he might have actually fixed something that was because he wasn't sure. elevating. I remember looking at the time he wasn't elevating the baseball at all. Um, and he wasn't hitting the ball very hard, at least hard compared to what he was at the very beginning. Um, love to look at his batted ball. Well, there was a bit of then. a, yeah, yeah, there was a bit of a, I don't, I mean, uh, is it a power outage or is it a lack of the power that they thought that they were going to get? Cause I think he only hit one, two home runs in that first month, right? In April, March and April. Two. I mean, he only played one game. Yeah. No, or yeah, you're right. Two, two homers. Two, okay, and mm. and I mean, th- there was there was only, oh, I want to say there was only like three or four hitless games for him as well during that entire stretch during that first month run, and so coming back, I still think there's only been two or three hitless games for him, uh, but power maybe a little more on display because he's got, like I said, he's got four homers. Since arriving on June second, since coming back up, to your point about lifting the baseball, to your yeah, point need about him. hitting the ball a little harder, he's been their best offensive player since he came back up. And yeah, you don't hear I, anything about him. Nothing. That's why I wanted to because it was you know the Reds are on a hot streak. They've won ten. Ellie De La Cruz has taken the game by storm just because of his freakish athleticism and how funny he is to just watch move. So just just wanted to make sure that Mr. Walker was also getting some shine there, not being overlooked, because if that is what you're getting, you'd like to think that that could help, as I said, a St. Louis Cardinals team who needs to play better baseball, just have to play better baseball. You still have hopes well, for the Cardinals this year? <laughs> No, that doesn't mean that they don't need to play better baseball. Well, I mean, if if you've thrown in the towel, then they don't need to do anything. <laughs> like, well, I mean, it'd be nice if they well, played better baseball, completely... but they they don't have to play better baseball because it's fucking over. I mean, uh, it's over, Dallas. It's fu- they're fucking thirty-one and forty-three. They've won four straight. They've won four straight, and Here they're still not. They're still in last place. <laughs> That's well, fine. We know the we it's know okay. the buckos. We know the buckos are fucking over. That yeah, take that uh, off the soundboard. We we've said it before, and, it, and we've said that before, and they came right back. They're punch four, you in the nose. That's the buckos. That's what they do. They they're punch fourteen you right in the and nose. thirty. They're fourteen and thirty since April thirtieth. They are ex- they are a bad bad team. No, they're experiencing the a bad Cardinals right now. No, this, that's most are, of the season. They experienced a very lucky first stretch. What they've been since is much closer to what they actually are because nobody can look at this roster and tell me anything about why they are why they are supposed to be good. And statistically, there's not much good about them either because they are bad. Or Dofo Castro. Well, yeah, he's obviously a stud. The Cardinals are significantly closer to the worst record in the league than they are to a playoff spot. Yeah, they're bad right now, but I just they're like seven games back of a playoff spot, three games ahead of the worst record in the league. The Pirates are four games out of first place. I don't want to fucking Oh, God. Dallas. Buried. Dallas. Dallas. What? Come on. Don't do it. You're riding the Reds wave. You, you go ahead. Feel free. Ride the Reds wave. Gonna... I, I'm not I'm not against it. I'm just saying that I'm not, I got nothing to raise. Oh, my God. I got nothing to raise. <laughs> they lost again yesterday. Ha, 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 ha.
They didn't. Wait a second. Not only did they lose, they didn't score again. <laughs> now that yeah, I think about it, this is. Now it's just sad. <laughs> now it is. There's just nothing sad. sad about this. I think <laughs> baseball. We know this about baseball. It's how baseball goes. People, people were counting the Oakland A's out after the start they gonna got off to, right? Put seven games now, in this a row together. I'm commandeering this theme song. <laughs> Over the last eight games, the Pirates are hitting 100 with runners in no scoring problem. position. They're averaging 2.1 runs per game, and their ERA is 6.82. Struggle. It's just a struggle one time through the rotation, Jay Hay. That's all. We're allowed to have bad games. We're allowed to have bad games. Especially in a division that has if, nobody ready to take ownership. If this of it. wasn't a so sensitive rest, time to so talk about ten in a row. To, to talk about vessels sinking to the bottom of the ocean, I would talk about where the, this pirate ship is headed. But you know, <laughs> tough times in the world right now. <laughs> Hashtag Ocean Gate. <laughs> ocean Gate. I'd like to talk about that. Actually, we don't have to talk about the pirates anymore. Thank God. Damn. I have more stats about how bad they are if you want them, but there is it's it's a down it's a downturn right now in the sea. It's mm-hmm. not a it's nothing we have to beat over the head. All right. <laughs> Teams are allowed to struggle. That's the take home message here. I mean, listen, it's a it's a long season, Dallas. You know, as you know. Um Yes, very long. It's one sixty two, you gotta play one sixty two. It's not twenty twenty. You don't just stop sixty games in and say, Hey, this is what we got. You don't give up the fight. Can't pirates don't pirates don't relinquish control of the ship. That's that's a fact. No, nope. No. You 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 better <laughs> you better fire every last fucking cannonball you got. <laughs> Tell you that we ain't going <laughs> down. Jay hey, Jay he's tweeting pirate slander on the timeline this morning. Yeah, yeah, he's like a fucking angry guy. <laughs> yeah, guy woke yeah. up at five a.m. to say fuck the pirates. Yeah, it was like my alarm went off. It was like, all right, fuck the pirates. Jay Hay tweeted, uh, let's see, the timestamp. Well, I'm in, <laughs> it says 2.02 a.m. because I'm in Arizona. <laughs> but this is uh, 5.02 a.m. this morning. That is Jay Hay tweeted, nothing better to do. The Pirates are 14 and 30 since April 30th. The only teams worse are Oakland and Kansas City. This team is who we thought they were. Spot the lie. That's prime content hours for your boy. Five o'clock. That's if you want to maximize engagement, that's when you get your content out there. That's what I've been told. Yeah. 5, a, 5 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 5 a.m. <laughs> Eastern. That's where all the seam heads are at. Yep. That's where all the retweets come. Mm hmm. Just, I mean, that was a double whammy. It's like the Pirates fucking suck. The yeah, only team but, worse than that team is the A's. <laughs> but even during this epically bad stretch for the Pirates, the the A's baseline performance is still worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're that's with like a fucking nine game win streak or whatever they did in there. That was magical. Yeah. We'll always have that. Yeah, that was a good run. It was a great run. It happened at the right time. It's like, yep. can we at least throw these guys a bone? And they did. I think they should Need lose it. out. Now. We're a 500 team in the NL Central. Tell you that. Would you, for, for that winning streak that they went on, to have it kind of culminate with the reverse boycott, would you have traded essentially losing out the rest of the season just to have that moment this year? 
I'm not going to tell you that. Say yes. The answer is yes. Of course you would. Of course you would. (laughs) Of course you would. Of course I would what? Of course I would what? You would make that trade. The A's go on a winning streak to go into the series uh against Tampa to continue Uh the winning streak to win in a fucking nail biter uh, Uh in the reverse boycott game. But the caveat is you have to lose every game for the rest of the season after that. Yes, you're taking that fucking trade. Uh, as a as a fan, putting mm-hmm. my fan hat on. Yep. Yeah. Of course. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like you guys yeah, had a I mean, fucking exhilarating baseball moment this year. Did anyone think that you would? No. <laughs> that's not true. No, not true. no one thought that. And the and the best part is that it was completely fan orchestrated. Like it, it the, well, the, the winning the streak would have been nice. Best... Like beating the Tampa Bay Rays, the best baseball team in, in the league, and being the worst baseball team in the league and having that winning streak and, and taking a series against the Rays, like that would have been cool, but it was a, an exhilarating moment because of, of the reverse boycott. Well, it felt even better because of how things had gone against the Rays earlier in the season. Yeah. Just getting completely throttled. Yeah. Well, you guys suck. And you go for uh, that. We, we need to talk about the Reds because we put Jonathan India on the cover of the last episode and we were like, oh, yeah, Reds talk. And they're, I think the same thing happened. I was like, let's talk about the Reds. And then we talked about something else. The Cincinnati Reds have won 10 straight fucking baseball games. They're one of the most exciting stories in Major League Baseball right now. And Joey Votto just returned. And in his first game back, he hit a home knock. and he had a knock, I believe. Like the, they're so now I'm kind of like tuned in to Reds Twitter. Like I'm seeing like a lot of uh, uh, I, I knew some Reds Twitter people prior to them going to the forefront of the league in terms of conversations. But now I'm kind of like getting the full scope of it. There was a huge kind of uh, battle, like a, a civil war going on on Reds Twitter on the day that Vado was set to return to the lineup. He announced a press conference at like 3 p.m., and there were fans being like, he's going to retire. He's announcing his retirement. It's like, all he said was like, I'm back. Like, that was it. And then there were some Reds fans that were saying, uh, it's going to mess up the vibes. Like, it's not going to be the same. If he, it's like, And then there, uh, the vocal majority was like, fuck you. Like, if, you, if you're trying to say that Joey Votto returning is going to mess up what we've got going on here then welcome to the Reds bandwagon. This is your first time watching Reds baseball. If you're not familiar with Joey Votto and the vibes that he brings to the fucking table. Uh, but he is back and the Reds have still continued to win baseball games. The winning streak is now at 10 straight. Uh, what are our thoughts on the state of the rotation as of right now? Terrible. Terrible. That's that's a problem. That is a problem. <laughs> that's honestly... I was looking it up today. I think they have like a five seven ERA in June while being like sixteen and whatever it well, is, like on this hot streak. And Green's on the shelf pitching now. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, there there's multiple guys on the shelf. There's multiple guys, right? Mm-hmm. Ashcroft. Ladola is not coming I mean. back until August, right? Right. He's got a fucked up leg, right? I mean, it or tibia, tibia. Tibula? Did I just say tibula? Uh, we don't know what she said because your hotel you Wi-Fi out. sucks. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, he's got a he's got something wrong with his tibia. Um. Hunter Green. What was wrong with him? Leg. 
or hip or it's something? It's hip, hip. Um, it's actually crazy, though. Like, if you step to, to the point about the rotation, if you step back and think about how we thought the like, if you knew the Reds were as good as they are right now, and you thought, how did they get here? If we were having this conversation at the beginning of the season, you would have almost certainly assumed that it was Hunter Green taking a step forward, Nicola Dolo displaying that swing and miss stuff that got people excited about him towards the second half of last season, and Graham Ashcraft, who got off to like a blistering start with his first three or four starts this year and then just completely fell apart, would have been like a solid third guy. And instead, like Green's been encouraging lately, but it's been a very up and down. Lodolo was terrible, terrible before he went on the IL. And Ashcraft, after that initial, uh, uh, strong Surge. start just completely like he was impossibly bad uh it's just kind of crazy that they're as good as they are with those three guys contributing kind of as little in two of the cases yeah. as they have and the funny part is is the guys that you didn't name who we don't know are worse than that so it's it's even worse i mean but so, the, so how their bullpen is not bad at least the back the bu- end yeah, which all right. i that, think that's what i'm saying probably, how does this how's this happened well, I, I think the number one thing, if we're talking about how are they winning the division, I think the number one most important thing to remember is that this division stinks. So, like, yes, this is now, what, the fourth team to to lead the division at some point this season? So I'm not I'm not well, diminishing the, the, the win streak. Yeah, the, no, no, no. Jay, I know the, the A's. I know the A's the ran through them like a hot the knife through butter, baby. I know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Don't um, fucking forget about it. But I think that's number one. And number two, I think they've received better offensive contributions from a number of places than we would have anticipated prior to the start of the season. Ellie De La Cruz is obviously one of those. Jonathan India is another, but you know, less sexy is TJ Friedel, who might be their best offensive player overall this season. McLean, who Joey's brought up a few times, I know is a prospect to watch has been really, really good, but like Jake Fraley has been solid. Spencer Steer has been solid. Stuart Fairchild's given them a little bit of something uh, Kevin Newman has been better than like the worst offensive player in baseball, which is what he was prior to the start of the season. So like it doesn't take that much well, magic to get two or three games above 500. You know what I mean? At this point in the season, it's just about how can they sustain it? Now it's like, I think most of that offensive stuff is sustainable. It's not like they're, they have a guy who's got like a 1200 OPS carrying the team, but I just don't know how they're going to get enough outs. I really honestly don't. And I don't know how aggressive but this they're going to be. be about, it's got to be encouraging, though, Jay. It's got to it, be it encouraging. It's simultaneously encouraging. This and, point, it's simultaneously and encouraging and discouraging because you can't take these wins away, and they've gotten these right. wins without these contributions from these starting pitchers. But if we're being mm-hmm. realistic about, there's still sixty percent of the season left, or whatever it is, sixty-five percent of the season left. Then, like, what is this rotation moving forward? So it's Brandon Williams, it's Williamson, Abbott, Weaver lively like come on like that doesn't instill a great deal of confidence yeah that's why i wanted to talk about this that's why i wanted to kick this around because like and like the graham ashcraft thing is just fucking crazy when you think about how it how it started how it started i just because i wanted to look this up yeah over his first over his first six starts an era sitting at two all right his fip 3.56 so still Still good. Still good. That's over 36 innings. He had <clears throat> 16 walks in those 36 innings, 27 punch outs. But uh, opponents hit 
fucking 202, a 587 OPS against Graham Ashcraft in his first six starts. All right. That's how it went at the beginning for Mr. Ashcraft. Well, since May 7th, Mr. Ashcraft is sporting an ERA of 12.72 with a FIP of 7.04. This is 29 innings worth of work. He has allowed 49 hits, 41 runs, excuse me, 42 runs, 41 earned runs, 14 walks, 23 strikeouts. He's allowed eight homers in those seven starts. Opponents are hitting almost 400 at 374. I mean, it's as bad as OPS you can pitch over, over a, a sustained stretch. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. And like, I think if you look specifically at the box scores, there were four starts where he allowed seven earned runs or more. Like, you just don't see that uh, over right. a stretch. Like Normally, you're, I guess you would be taken out before he was just wearing it on so many of these starts. But I don't know, man. You just wonder how aggressive they're going to be. Like, if they're still leading the division in two weeks or something like that, is this a team that we're talking about is being aggressive about going out and getting like a rotation supplement? Because I, I think Joey mentioned him in last po- uh, last podcast with Alexis Diaz or maybe last week. I've lost track of time, but like you can make a case that in terms of swings and misses and dominance, he might be the best, the second best, third best, best reliever closer in baseball right now. Um, so you have that piece in place. But you just have a real lack. Yeah, like of do the Reds, there. the Reds going and getting a Giolito? <laughs> no. I mean, there's. I mean, things haven't I been think, I, great for Giolitos lately either. But what what if the what if the solution is not more pitching, but just more offense? <laughs> what if the solution is call up Christian Incarnacion Strand? who is basically I, uh, their other super prospect with Ellie De La Cruz. You see what he's hitting in AAA right now? 345, 416, 675. That's a 1.091 sure. OPS with 17 homers in 49 games. Could not be hotter. That's swinging it. That's yeah, they're swinging saying it. I just don't see the I just don't see the Reds Jay Hay as a team that is just going to out bludgeon their opponent. I don't see the Reds as Why? a team. Why? That's how their teams can... were good back in the day. The Adam Dunn, oh, Jay can... Bruce, Brandon Phillips shit. That was bludgeoning, wasn't yeah. it? But they had they had Bronson Arroyo. They had the Harangatang, yeah. Adam Aaron the Harangatang. <laughs> I think you're making my point for me. If Bronson Arroyo and the Harangatang are the guys you're bringing up from that rotation, I think we can equal that. I think we can figure out a Bronson Arroyo and a Harangatang for the Reds. Yeah, I just signed up Giolito. Let's go. Yeah. The Harangatang. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought about him in a while. I love it. I love it. Aaron yeah. Harang. I, 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 I would love to <laughs> like see the Aaron Pirates. Harang comes up in conversation anytime someone's like, who's the ugliest baseball player of all time? Yeah, he's hard oh, Aaron Harang. <laughs> yeah. We talk about him because he was one of the first guys that was like, yeah, I'm just going to throw my fucking upper 80s fastball as a right-hander. Right down. Throw it cock. up in the strike zone. Yeah. yeah. Just see, see what we got here. <laughs> yeah, see what's up. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but anyways, 
Despite Go the red. rotation, I don't want to say being in shambles, but in a, in a rough spot, the Cincinnati Reds are defying odds and they've won 10 straight. It's not like they're, it's going up against crazy competition. They just, you know, they're beating up on the Colorado Rockies, but Colorado Rockies took a series from the Boston Red Sox, who are red hot. Six straight. Hey, they just swept, they swept the Astros too. Yeah. Let's not forget. That's also why this win streak is a little perplexing. Perplexing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean like, nothing you, stands out like, oh, they've been fucking killing it. They're hitting 480 this two weeks. I mean, it's like they're all kind of middle of the pack or bad, but still won 10 in a row. But that's the challenge of like of a baseball podcast or baseball analysis in general in season, right? Is that, you know, sometimes there are things that happen over a week or two weeks that are, if not oh, yeah. outright unexplainable, then kind of at least mostly mysterious. Because baseball is a weird sport like that. Think about Luis Arias, right? I mean, 96 hours ago, it was, oh, he's on a slide. Now 400. And then what? Wake up. Fuck. He just tacked on another (laughs) five hit game. Now he's back at 400. What happened? I thought this wasn't going to be like, that's, that's what baseball does. That's how baseball goes. And and that's how, if you don't check in on Luis Arias every day with Mm -hmm. the way things are going for him right now. You can almost feel like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about when you're like, yeah, I don't know if he's going to, you know, I mean, the 400 thing, it's like, where have you been? Did you not see the game last night? And you're like, no, I didn't see it last night. Well, he got five fucking hits and he's starting today hitting 400. Where the fuck have you been? It's like, well, shit, I went to sleep. I don't know. I, I, I My bad. I, <laughs> he's good. I, I feel like such a player hater, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because like, I feel like we're, we're hunting and pecking for trying to explain why the Reds are a really, really good team. But you just, as we've got hinted at, if you just take them out of the NL Central at their current record, they're like, they're, they're tied for last in the AL East. They have the same exact record as the Boston Red Sox, who nobody is trying to explain how are the Red Sox great, right? Um, they would, they're below the Astros, so they would be fourth in the AL West. They're basically, they're a half game ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies in the NL East. Um, and they would be fourth in the NL West. So, like, they are unequivocally better than I or probably anybody on this podcast thought that they would be. But they're still a team that's got a 527 win percentage has been outscored by 16 runs. Like, I think it's okay to say that this is maybe the best. This is a 500-ish team playing some of its best baseball this season without some of its most important players, which is even more remarkable. But it, it makes it more exciting because they're bringing up the prospects and all yes. these guys are young cats. And that's, that comes in with the hype. And then Votto comes back and hits a bomb. The, this is, do you see the, these, these, uh, I mean, this the Reds payroll, they're top, their top five paid players. Number one, Joey Votto. Number two, Mike Moustakis plays for the Rockies. <laughs> Number three, Will Mer- Myers just got cut from the team. Number four, Ken Griffey Jr. That's their top four most paid players. What's Griff doing this Ken year? Ken Griffey Jr. is still getting paid. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's their fourth highest paid player that, on the Reds. Mm-hmm. Not on the Reds, but he's not on the Reds, but he's their fourth paid. I mean, he's there in spirit. Three of their top yeah. four players are on the team. That's a tough way to win ballgames. The I'll number say. one guy has played two games. <laughs> still winning, still winning ballgames. <laughs> First, by the way, San Francisco Giants are also continuing 
to win baseball games, but no one's talking about them because they've won nine straight, which is not more than the, the Cincinnati Reds 10 straight. The and the Atlanta Braves have also won seven straight, but no one cares because they win all the time anyway. It's not it's not refreshing and exciting. I'm taking a lot of heat on this giant stuff after I called them boring, yeah. too. Uh, which is great because it was my take originally, but you're taking all the heat for it. Yeah, I just and it continued, obviously, as they keep winning. I keep getting a few people in my mentions, you know, saying, you know, tagging me to the highlights that I'm already seeing, of course. But uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stand by this one. I'm going to stand by it. That was terrible timing. Very bad timing. uh, (laughs) And then what they've done is so much more impressive than what the Reds are doing. How boring is winning nine games in a row? Fuck that. Boo. I, said the, I said the roster is boring. I didn't say the outcome of outcomes of games yeah. that hadn't been played yet aren't are boring. Jay, yeah. So, oh, so Jay said you could probably find a better roster in a homeless encampment somewhere in San Francisco and put those guys. <laughs> Did I say there. that? And that that would be. I, I, I said that. That would be funny. Like that's what you said. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like something like I would that. say. I didn't want, I'm not one to put words in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Let's roll with it. Slap it on a quote board. <laughs> yeah yeah but you've got the san francisco giants who have won nine straight baseball games and hold a one game lead over the third place los angeles doyers that uh that that division is something it's gonna be exciting well, i think it's gonna be a dog fight for the al wild card that last spot but then the nl west you're probably talking about the most exciting division because like all right yes maybe it's a it's equally as packed in the nl central like people like oh why don't you give any respect to the cubs they're only three and a half games out because they're three games under 500 nobody gives a fuck there's (laughs) no way we have disrespected the nl central in terms of time allotment on this podcast i agree no there has i don't think that there has been a podcast that has covered the nl central more thoroughly than this one and that predates there is that that goes back to you getting on the becoming a brewers man too yes yes this is years investment yeah we've been we've been doing this for it's a long years yeah yeah the nl central has this has been an nl central podcast well to, to put it to put in perspective the difference in divisions the giant or not the Giants, the Dodgers are light um Walker Bueller. They are light Dustin May, Julio Urias, Noah Cindergaard, right? Oh, what's the what's the other uh the other fell? The other youngster that they had? Pepio. Mm. They've got a rotation's worth of arms on the injured list. Mm-hmm. An entire rotation worth of arms on the injured list. And Things aren't going quite the same way for them that they are going for the Cincinnati Reds. No. Also, I know this is kind of a random note, but you may or may not have noticed that the Los Angeles Angels have leapfrogged the Houston Astros. Do you see uh, their GM came out and said they are um, not going to trade Otani (laughs) if they remain in uh, the hunt here? He's lying. You think they'll trade him if they stay where they're at? No, he didn't. No they're gonna fuck that. it. They'll trade him within the next week. Wow. No Segoy. If they were smart, they'd trade him right now. His value's never been higher. Well, that's maybe true, but you want to trade more What's, days okay. of Shohei Otani, well, not less. Let's just die, let's just let's just get, get into that an Angels conversation then. What what is a worse look? 
trading him while you are currently in a postseason <laughs> spot as he's a pending free agent because you don't think you can resign him mm-hmm. or losing him at the end of the season for nothing as a free agent or, lose, or draft lose. comp or whatever. Yeah. The per- perspective, optically, this is a lose-lose. Optically. Yeah, it really is. But that's where that's where the lose-lose ends for me because... Well, one loss is emotion, worse than the other. Which well, one's your, worse? Your emotion gets in the way. Uh, oh, man, which one's worse? That's a worse? good question. Because at I least have if, to you, think- if you keep him and then you go into the postseason and he's making postseason starts and he's playing or whatever... Then you can blame it on him. Like, oh, yeah, we didn't like we kept him. <laughs> we kept him and we didn't win the World Series, but he was on the team. Well, I mean, he would he could be a scapegoat of sorts, but I don't think anybody's going to say that the only reason that they got there, like no team gets to the World Series because of just one dude. No. And, well, and, uh, no, no, uh, no. Like in, in, uh, unless we're talking about a tightly contested divisional race. Mm-hmm. Where a player for the last two weeks of the season puts the team on his back, and then for the last or the next two weeks, three weeks of the postseason continues to do what they do, o- o- only then. But where they're at right now, it's going to take everybody on that team to get them to where they want to be in the postseason. So I would think walking away from a from a business perspective, walking away without a World Series. And without anything to compensate for the loss, what I feel is probably an inevitable loss, that's not a great spot to be in. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's sitting here right now telling themselves that the Angels are a premium World Series contender. Mm -hmm. So what looks worse? It might look worse to trade Otani during a period in time in which you are competitive from a business perspective, it's probably your only move. Yeah. Again, unless, unless you have done what I said, which was had these conversations with his camp to an extent you feel that comfortable, like, Hey, we're good here. We could lose every game from here on out. We're fine because of the conversations I've had with Showtime and his camp. All good. Yeah. But don't you want to get to the work? No, no. All good. All good. Why? Because I'm confident we're going to sign this guy. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And then what happens when he doesn't sign? Is it still okay? The, the Angels okay? winning are the worst thing that happened to the Angels. Maybe ever. <laughs> Maybe ever. It may, the it makes, Angels it being in difficult. the position that they're in is the worst thing that ever happened in that franchise. Because you would like to have them either dominating the division where the clear decision is you need to supplement this roster so that we get Shohei the World Series. We get Trout to the mm-hmm. World Series. And then you can back up the Brinks truck after that and lock them in forever. You could do that. Or you could kind of meddle along and just ho-hum it all the way down to the end and really hope that the guys you have in the room get you there. And you really hope that the conversation you had with Shohei was one of magnitude. You really, you're just kind of crossing your fingers and hoping he feels the same way about this that you do. That is a shitty spot to be in. He doesn't. He's, <laughs> he's gone, dude. He gone. It's too bad. It's too bad. They they have a as it stands right now, the Angels have a forty two percent chance to make the playoffs. I like those chances. It's a lot of a lot of pressure, man. And Angels fans are saying, "Well, why don't we increase those odds? Why don't we go get some get some guys to help?" 
That's what they're going to do. I mean, wouldn't that be one way of showing Shohei that you are committed to the cause? Yeah. Because because I can speak to this part, like even, even as a player with the A's, when we were winning, the conversation was, if you continue to do this, you will force us to make moves to try to to try to make this better. But if you're not winning, why would we ever entertain changing the roster? It's a clear-cut message. Well, what what would Marcus Stroman on the Angels do to your belief and their odds of being a real contender for the World Series or just a team that's a lock for the playoffs? Uh the best pitcher in the NL right now, I think I think that's probably going to that's probably going to move the needle a little. But I don't think the Angels are a Strowman away from the division. They're a Rendon away, I'll tell you that. When he comes back, that's it's when the season starts. Season don't start well, until Rendon can string together three straight games. Because <laughs> <laughs> he has been coming back off the I.L. a lot this year, and they're going right back on it. And mm-hmm. uh, that's good. He's been doing a lot of healing and then yeah. breaking. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what I tell you what. When he comes back, that's a basically a trade. They don't even need to make a trade. That's a free <laughs> trade. Yeah, because then they just got Rendon. They got Rendon back. Mm-hmm. Preach, brother. <laughs> if you want to, and uh, when our Urshela when he gets off the bump, yep, they got two infielders, right? Because they're fucked in the infield right now. They got Neto's down, Urshela's down, and Renfro. Not sorry. Renhifo, sorry. Rendon is also down. Do you have an update on the Neto hit-by-pitch saga? Well, he hasn't been playing, so I'm going to say it's pretty static there, so the reports <laughs> might be grim, guys. He might be losing his uh, incredible pace. pace. Mm-hmm. That's unfortunate. Well, if you want to go see one of Shohei's last games as an angel, because his time is winding down, um, by the hour, Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. Get your tickets to Angels games, any games that you want, really. But I'm just saying, if you want to go see Shohei's final days as an angel, the clock is ticking forget planning months in advance they're going to trade them is what i'm saying game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly uh, what to expect when you arrive buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Jared, J A R E D, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use the promo code Jared, get $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, were there any other things that we wanted to hit on before we got into submarine talk? I only had submarine and final thoughts left on my list. <laughs> do you want to do you want to hit your final thoughts if they're baseball thoughts? Sure. Uh, rapid fire. Fernando Tatis 
15 homers and 12 stolen bases now in 53 games. For his career, per 162 games played, he's now averaging 48 homers and 32 stolen bases. Uh, For his career, he's at 96 homers and 64 stolen bases. If he gets to 100 home runs and 75 stolen bases, so that's four more homers and 11 more stolen bases this year, seems likely. Uh, He'll be the 12th player in MLB history to reach those numbers through his age 24 campaign. So pretty impressive. Um, Nolan Jones, a guy I don't think we've called Mm. out on this podcast yet, but uh, shout out to the Rockies youngster. He made his debut on May 26th. Since that point in the NL, he ranks eighth in batting average, third in on-base percentage, sixth in slugging, sixth in OPS, and sixth in F-war. That OPS is 1.070, by the way. He's also one of five players with five homers and five steals over that stretch, joining Tatis, Bobby Witt, Julio, and Corbin Carroll. Um, the Guardians released Mike Zunino as part of that, uh, or designated Mike Zunino as part of that Bo Naylor transaction. Uh, just want to call out, uh, the Guardians spent $22.5 million this offseason uh, for this season alone to pay Josh Bell and Mike Zunino. They have combined for 404 plate appearances and negative 0.2 F war. So 22.5 million might not seem a lot. That's 25% of the Guardians payroll this year. So that's a pretty costly swing and a miss for them so far right now. And then my boy, Yuri Perez, uh, another hot little start last night among all pitchers to throw at least 40 innings this year. He ranks first in ERA at 1.54. He ranks tied for fourth in opponent's batting average at 1.82. And I just want to hammer home how nasty his repertoire is. He ranks in the 99th percentile in fastball spin, 95th percentile in fastball velocity. And then he throws three other pitches, slider, curveball, and changer, changeup. And batters are nine for 79 with 36 strikeouts against those pitches. That's 114. Might be the best young pitcher in baseball. That's, <laughs> that's gross. That's gross. Uh, all right. Those are my final thoughts. So, Oh, oh, and uh, final, final thought. Bob Tewksbury was released, and that was episode number 33. Okay. <laughs> Go check wanted it to out. put a button on that. Go check it out. <laughs> Go check it out. It's uh, talk about the book. Buy the book. Buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Wow. It's a good book. Exceptional. It's a good book. Yeah. Um All right. I mean, I feel like people probably tuned in for this discussion more than anything else. So it's uh I mean, let's start let's start here. Please. Did you did anybody look at the video or see images of the submersible? Yes, and it's also uh legitimately being controlled by a PlayStation controller. Yeah, it's actually it's actually a lower quality controller than PlayStation is what I've been told. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm not trying I am trying to be funny a little yeah, bit, a, but it, it is a worse quality controller cats. than a than a first generation controller. Uh mm-hmm. it is uh yeah, would any would any of us get in that? No. Yeah, especially knowing what we know now, right? Yeah, no, no fucking way. It's almost like I'm I'm glad that someone else tested it out so that I didn't because this is something that I would do. 
So the Titanic is an interest. You're interested in Titanic ruins. That's a thing for you. I have been obsessed with the Titanic since yeah. before the movie came out. When I was in first Jay, grade, I, w- I had a, I had a, a, a book about like shipwrecks and discovered the Titanic in this book. And then my dad used to take me to like Barnes and Noble to like pick out books. And then I would go to like Titanic section and then I'd pick out like five books. And then he'd be like, well, you can only pick one. And I'd be like, but, but, but dad, please, I want five books. And he would be like, all right, fine. And then he'd buy me the fucking five books about the Titanic. And then by chance, I mean, like this is before I had access to the internet. Like it's almost like the stars align. And they're like, hey, by the way, we're coming out with a fucking movie about this thing. And I was like, what? And I went with my family to see the movie. Saw it in theaters seven times. But yeah, like, no, I was a fucking weirdo nerd that was obsessed with Titanic before Leonardo DiCaprio was drawing Kate Winslet's titties. Yeah, and I have I have been to the Reagan Library, which is right by my house, where they had the Titanic on display, like the the some of the ruins and some of the shit like they've they've got on display. So Mm -hmm. I've also been a Titanic aficionado, if you will. Mm -hmm. So this this definitely comes. This is something like the people with fuck you money, right? Or maybe not even fuck you money, but like, because what is it? 250 I mean, grand? if you can, if you can fucking light 250 grand on fire, then you've, you've got fuck you money. 250 grand. I, I like, I don't know. Maybe I'm easily talked into stuff like this because I'm interested, but I'm like, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Let's give that a go. Yeah, but I did, would do let's it. Give that a go. Not in that fucking thing, though. Like they, they've got like I've seen. How else um, are you going to get down there? Well, I mean, what do you do? How do you want? So if you if you if you fancy yourself a Titanic aficionado, you've seen the submarines that like Robert Ballard had like discovered the Titanic while he was in. Uh-huh. Then you have James Cameron, like he went down to see it before he filmed the fucking movie. Way nicer submarine, like it. Yeah, it's way so fancier, way tag, more high tech. Yeah, no, the price, price tag probably going to go up. Yeah, and but the ability to even do those in 1997, things. in 1990, call it 1996. Like, how much money do you think James Cameron spent on the Titanic submarine that he went down there in? Millions, millions, millions. millions. You think he spent millions yes. to go see the Titanic? Fuck yes, I do. Absolutely, Jake. Jake, can you get fucking James Cameron on the phone? Uh, there's no fucking way that it costs millions. What? You think millions? You think they're just fucking like, hey, I got 20 grand. Can you get me down to the bottom no, of the ocean? No, I not see 20 the grand. Not 20 grand. Wait, what do you like, think? If it's 250K whatever, right whatever now, just to ride costs. in the motherfucker. Listen, it's not millions. We're going to get Jake no, on this. Jake, how many people, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you about the price. You've never done it. I want to hear from James Cameron. How many people are in the submersible right now? Five. Five. Okay. 250 by five. That's $1.25 million. I think think it's 250 total. I think it's 250 total. I don't think that, I don't think it's 250 per person. I would have to believe it's 250,000 per person. Yeah. I don't think it was. Yeah, it's two fifty per person, which is why the price tag is what it is. It's one point two five million just to put five people in it, inside of it, not build it, just to be inside of it. It's going to run you one point two five between five of you. So now we need well, to build this fucking thing. 
That's going to cost you millions of dollars. The submarine, put it this way, Dallas. Even with, like, I think that they've come to the conclusion at this point, bad decision. But just on the surface of all the information that they had before getting in the fucking thing, it seemed like a bad idea. Like, like what? Okay, like what? Like what? I'm not. I'm not disagreeing I, with you. I'm just like, let's go down the list of. So let's just say you're getting in a submarine to go visit the Titanic. You're probably a pretty big Titanic fan. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you've probably like researched it and you've seen the submarines that I'm talking about that Robert Ballard goes in James Cameron. Like you've seen all these people go down there. It's like, wow, those are like high tech, like fancy submarines. This one kind of seems like the uh, spirit airlines (laughs) of submarines. It's like, wait, you're driving this thing with a fucking PlayStation controller. Like I would have questions. Dude, I would know. What, Jay? At one point, he he pointed to something and said, "I got this from Camping World." <laughs> In the video, he's like, "Yeah, I got that from Camping World." Then he throws the controller that you read, and, and then there's like, "Hey, there's our one button, our elevator button yeah. over there. You just push that." It's like, so what do you so like? Our, so what, so, the so your guys' issue is that it's. Does it feel like it's? It's rudimentary, like it's very, it's just not advanced. Is that is that the issue that you guys it's are taking? It's not advanced, Dallas. It seems like a do-it-yourself trip to the Titanic. <laughs> it's also not That's fun. It's also not certified or registered with like any governing or government or oversight agency at all. Like that's yeah, international waters. You baby. had you basically had to sign. You had to sign lots of paperwork that you could obviously die, which I'm sure you have to do in any submarine thing. But apparently it was explicit. Like, here's all the ways you could die. And also it's not it's not uh, registered or approved or anything, really. There's a there's a lot of like there's a lot of morbid and insensitive takes going around on the Internet. Uh, (laughs) I would like to add to them. But (laughs) like, all I mean, as a big Titanic guy, my first takeaway was Titanic still got it. Like the Titanic has still got it. It's been over a hundred years and people are still encapsulated by this thing. And it's still claiming lives a hundred years later. That's, that's crazy. But I mean, people, people are going to, there's so the thing that, I, what was it a month ago there where they did the big 3d, pictures of it and then they put it in some stadium in in london it was like the the clearest images that they've ever had like that video is doing millions of views on youtube and then there was that news story that we're not that far away from the ship kind of eroding where like it's it's just going to become a fucking pile of shit on the bottom of the floor like we're not gonna be able to go down and see it so in a way People are like, oh, like these are rich people and like we shouldn't care because like they spent all this money and they're stupid and blah, blah, blah. I kind of I kind of respect the fact that it was like, I got to see this fucking thing before it's not there anymore. We're, we're close to that point. Yeah, well, that's the that's the interest. That's the intrigue is you've seen the stories. You've seen the documentaries. You've watched the movie. You want to see it for yourself. And like you said, yes, you got 250K to light on fire. Let's fucking go for it. I mean, it, was, was this this wasn't the maiden voyage of this thing, was it? It seems that way. <laughs> no, I believe it's gone previously, like it's, but it also has had 
technical issues previously. So, no um, yeah. Well, the journalist who was whose video is making the rounds uh, on social media and whatnot, and who's been doing fresh interviews, toured it like a year ago. And in that video, he said that he participated in a descent and that they had to turn around almost immediately or something like that because there was a mechanical failure of some sort. Which he, well, he, they were he said was not totally atypical of submersible <clears throat> dives like this. But uh, I, I just, I, not, none of us here is smart enough to know the ins and outs of how to construct a viable submarine. But I think you have to go on intuition sometimes. And if I had walked into that and seen how it looked and how we were all going to be sitting and how it was operated and what you had to sign in order to get in, sometimes you just have to say, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah. Like they, if you go to like an amusement park and you have to sign a waiver for like that slingshot ride where it's like, you could probably fucking die doing this. Yeah. And I don't think you're getting on that ride. And also like, you don't have to sign a waiver to go on. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, high risk and it's, yeah. Okay. Like it's exciting. And like the, the look of it looks dangerous, but it's super safe. It's an amusement park. Yeah. Like you're, it's different. It also, it's an amusement park that hasn't been certified or reviewed by any oversight body. So it's like (laughs) one of those pop-up carnivals. Yeah. Yeah. The carnival in the parking lot of the strip mall is what yes. that is. Yeah. The the thing that I saw this morning, people were sending me the, oh, uh, they've got these like these uh, radars in the water and they heard banging. So they've got to be a lot like the like TikTok investigators are the fucking worst people like people on TikTok that like pick up these popular stories and think that they become like experts on them in two seconds. So I, I saw this TikTok. This person is saying they hear banging so it's got to be them banging for help and so we know we can confirm that they're still alive do you understand how fucking big the atlantic ocean is and how many things are down there that could be making that's, a banging noise that's that's the thing and something else that like what you got to think about is underwater currents those things are fucking flying mm. flying and this ship is two miles down to the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. There are some major current systems flowing before you get to the bottom of the ocean. So after 100 minutes is when they lost contact with the submersible. I don't know where you would be at after an hour and a half of descent, but my guess is you've probably hit a current stream or two, and that's all part of the fight to get down, right? That's why as divers, you wear weight belts, so it helps the descent, and you control the descent. So if they don't have or they lose power or they lose the ability to control that, you are quite literally now a pebble in the middle of the water table in the ocean. You got a mile ahead of you, you got a mile below you, and you're right in the fucking middle with no power to do anything. So should you hit one of those current systems and you thought you were on your way down to the Titanic, well, you might now be on a parallel path to fucking who knows where. Yeah. Who knows where? It's a nightmare. About, I can't even think about it. I can't think about the scenario of like if they're still alive because there's it, the scenario where me, like the like if the, if the, like a window has cracked, like 
at least like that's a painless way to die. Like if the window cracks, it's like the whole thing fucking cracks in on itself and and they, they don't feel that. They don't even know that it happened. It's just like you snap your finger and you're gone. But if they're just floating around somewhere in this thing running out of oxygen and did I see somewhere that they didn't bring food with them? Yeah, I think you only get like the sandwich and bottle of water that you take on uh, is what the journalist interview said. And the bathrooms are just basically uh, Tupperware buckets. Yeah, like individual Tupperware containers. Yeah, that's got to be the worst. The worst. Like all of it's the worst, but. Well, that's that's where we start. Like you start breaking down humanity, right? Right. Like the human, the human, like, because. Like, yeah, I think we could all agree if you were in that kind of situation, like, let's make it quick and painless. Well, but the, the other- idea of like, is does the cabin is the cabin able to be pressurized still when you lose power? I, I got to believe you probably lose the ability to do things like that. Like in an airplane, you lose the ability to pressurize the cabin. Here come the fucking masks. Right. So, well, then it would be over. In, in, it would just be point, over. Right. It would be over. And, and now. The lights are out. And if you are tumbling in this thing, like, what are you doing now? Now you're like, you're seat belted into this never I don't even roller think there are seat belts. I don't even think there are seat belts. I think you just sit on the ground. Um, you just sit on Fuck. the ground, ass on the ground, back into this, into the cylinder curve. Uh, the other, you're talking about the humanity. And this is, I think the last thing I have to say on this, but talking about the humanity of it, uh, pretty unique situation where one of the people who was on there is the CEO and the basically if you wanted to the cause of this problem for the people for the other four people that are on there right like you're staring at the guy who operates this thing right in front of you as you may as you may be running out of oxygen over the course of 5 days like i don't i can't imagine that's that entire scenario uh and the feelings they would be going back and right. forth. Um, oh my god, dude! Because yeah, because like I, I, I'd like to keep you alive because I think you're probably the only one that might be able to keep all of us alive. But you're also. But the, if we're starting to entertain the idea of none of us being alive, I might have words for you. Well, and it's bolted from the outside too, so they could be bobbing on the surface, and they could still run out of air. Is my understanding, uh, unless somebody finds them, they could run out of air on the surface. Um, yes. It has to be opened from the outside. It's bolted by 17. And, and that, that was the other thought was. Well, what, what I thought I just saw that there's a ship or there's a submersible that is on its way right now to go and look for this submersible. I believe well, the there's ship, the theory the that they called, might be trapped inside the Titanic. Well, it's it's called uh, the the thing is called Calvin, from what yeah, I understand, Calvin. and it's the it's a submersible that can go down there. So the, I also saw something where because diesel diesel gasoline is lighter than water, so that means it's buoyant. What you do is you fill these giant bags of diesel fuel up, and you sink them to your desired depth or your desired location and from there you would attach those diesel bags to whatever object you're looking to extract and pull up from the ocean floor you then cut the weight from the diesel bags and the diesel bags bring up to the surface 
whatever object you're looking for. They've done this with pieces of the Titanic. So that could be a way where if they were, you know, hopefully maybe stuck on the ground somewhere near this ship, somewhere near the Titanic, and they could locate him, you might be able to send those bags down, bring them back up, and, you know, who knows. But just the ability to even get down there. Right is is crazy. It's actually uh, the uh, there's a there's a Rolex called the Deep Sea, uh, Deep Sea Dweller that James Cameron actually taped to the bottom of one of his submarines while they were going down to look at the Titanic to test the depth viability of that watch. Side note. Uh, well, they have enough oxygen until tomorrow sometime like early afternoon so we're gonna know one way or the other within the, with probably by our next recording maybe so so this thing doesn't have a black box no i mean they don't even have a fucking gps that's why it's yeah they're just fucking god knows Jesus. what happened like this this could turn into like another like uh malaysia airline story where it's like yeah like just disappeared don't know where it is didn't didn't find any wreckage like there's no resolution here don't know what happened um but yeah horrifying shit but everyone's talking about it uh so we'll see see what happens hoping for the best joey any final thoughts i'm alive i'm gonna start looking my hardest to find it (laughs) the space castle in the sea i'm with you guys if you're listening i'm coming (laughs) Get my snorkelers out. Joe's Joe just out. like in like the fucking shallow end of the beach at Cape Cod, just being like, "Where the fuck are these guys?" Can't find them anywhere. They're, they're right. This is hard. But wow, you gotta try. Thank you for your service, Joe. I mean, uh, appreciate my, you. My final thought is, uh, <clears throat> Jared. As you know, we had. WWE great Corey Graves on the podcast yeah. mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, I didn't catch wind of this immediately, but uh, I got to I got to share something because I kind of felt like this might this might end up being a thing. I didn't want it to be a thing, but uh, well, here, you just you just take a listen. This was on the Why don't Monday you text night so I can play it in good quality. Okay, I could do that here. Let me, uh, try this one. I have still yet to play it for myself. So you're 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 acting like you're getting all worked up about something you haven't even heard. Oh, because it, it was it was brought to my attention. Okay, all right, here it is. Take a look at this. The bright Hollywood lights went dim in that instance. The fairy tale ending. And Tommaso Ciampa treating the Miz like the A's are going to treat the Guardians this week. Disrespectfully and painfully. So Dallas thought that Corey Graves was going to talk shit about the A's. And here he is saying that the A's were going to disrespect the Guardians. All right. Hmm. All right. A little shift. I like to Hmm. see that. I like to hear that. Hmm. That's good. 
That's so you good. were about to get all worked up about Corey Graves on Monday Night Raw talking shit about well, the I A's, thought, and here he was yeah. saying some dumb just, shit about them winning baseball games, <laughs> and it didn't happen. Just hey, hey. It's, it's only one game, dude. It's only one game. You gotta okay. you gotta win two to win the series, Jared. We got two more games left, so you do the math, bud. Okay. All right. Go A's, I guess, right? Fucking You fucking A right. Right. It's it's the showdown between Dallas Braden and Jay Hayes, <laughs> Cleveland Guardians. Gather Williams fucking shove. Yeah. Yeah. We got a we got a big league debut today. Who? Gavin Williams. Oh, cool. Um, all right. Uh hope they find the sub. And uh we'll be back tomorrow. Check out the uh MLB Combine on MLB Network. Be on TV all day today, and uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. Well.